What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Mini Crush. Monday on a Wednesday. Mini crushing it. Mini crushing it. Is that a thing? Is that a, like, a, like a song or does you just make that up off the top? Uh, off the dome, as you say. That's very well done, Chuck. <laughs> I like that. We should, we should make that into a recurring theme. Mini crushing it. Uh, actually, you know what song I have stuck in my head mm. is, have we ever talked about free to be you and me? It's starting to come back to me, but not. I don't know if we have or not. I feel like I repeat myself on the show, but Free to Be You and Me was a record made by Marlo Thomas in the 70s. Okay. uh, With a bunch of her famous friends about uh, acceptance of others and, uh, you know, it's for children. Yeah. Oh, okay. And um, they had a song on it called It's All Right to Cry, sung by Rosie Greer, who was this big football player. And I sing that for Ruby when she gets upset sometimes. And she had a rough morning. That sounds like some Sesame so, Street. Type this morning, it sort of is. Yeah. It's all right to cry. Crying gets the sad out oh. of you. <laughs> if only that were true. Uh, if well, only crying was literally just expelling the sadness if, so it would never return. It kind of helps, though. It does help. Like, if you've got a good cry, mm-hmm. it's cathartic. I mean, I do like a good movie cry. We, I think we both... Uh, are I'm in sure. the movie crier camp. Yeah, man, I, I I cry. I live for it, you know? That's, That's how I know it's done a good job. Tears are flowing. Yeah. At my house, Noel. Uh, Rosie Greer, boy. That album was great. Like, that that would, uh, I had a long dream to do that as a stage play. Do the It's Free to Be You and Me album. I, I know nothing of this. Like I need Mel to Mel Brooks it is on it. What? And Alan Alda. And, uh, Jeez. 
It's really, really terrific. And and it's great to look back on it because it was a big part of my childhood and it, it teaches all the right messages. It's great. There's one uh, bit called uh, William Wants a Doll about a boy that wants a doll and plays with a doll. There's one about a girl being nice to her grandmother and it's like these very progressive. That's very forward thinking yeah, for the time. I mean, the sure. whole like uh, gender nonconformity already Absolutely, being man. codified in a children's song in the yeah. 70s. That's pretty amazing. Uh, all right, Noel, we're going to start off with this week with another explainer since we're in the uh, Oscar mood. By the way, everyone keep your fingers crossed. There's a couple of potentially pretty great guests on the horizon, but we need all the movie crushing vibes sent out there into the universe. Clap your hands like uh, to make it happen. Pixie dust style. No, it's Tinkerbell <laughs> style. Is that how it happens? You clap your hands when Tinkerbell dies and that what? brings her back to life. Spoiler. Well, it's in the, you know, it's, 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 it's audience participation in the play version of Peter, Peter Pan. Oh, okay. And they manifest. That's how you manifest something? I, they, they don't really explain it. They just say you got to clap your hands and that, that makes Tinkerbell come back to life. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, we're clapping our hands to get a couple of good guests. One is it's just uh, a guest I've long sought after. And they said, hey, they may be available in I L.A. I, I think I know the one. Oh, really? I, well, I, I was just oh, was you talking, talking, to talking to Ramsey about yeah, it. Yeah, you do know the I one. I know the one. But yeah. I don't want to jinx it. No, not at all. Mm-hmm. Nope. But I was like, I'll go to L.A. for that. And there, there's another one. Uh, our head sales guy is trying to build a sales pitch for a movie uh, for, you know, to advertise on this show and others. And he said, hey, if it came down to it, would you have this, this director and writer on? Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, I yeah. certainly would. Okay. So I don't want to jinx either no, one. No, no, no. I'm I'm excited. I know that everyone hates it when I that do that. one. I I don't know about, so I'll I'll be surprised as the rest of us. All right, Noel. So what we're going to do uh, this week, uh, continuing the little Oscar bits here and there. Um, this one is pretty Oscar heavy in different ways, but I'm going to explain to you all about the statuette, the Oscar statuette, the most uh, maybe the most famous trophy in the world. Some might say. I saw a thing about how they make the Super Bowl trophy. I think Tiffany makes it, the Tiffany company. And it's like it's all handmade and hand, you know, sanded and, you know, forged and all this stuff. Sure. And there was a really great video behind it. Um, and I think it's worth like, I don't know, $100,000, something crazy like that. But yeah. is, is it a similar story with the Oscar trophy? No, I don't think uh, I don't think the actual value of the individual piece of hardware is that much because they're cranking out, you know. Yeah, this is just a single trophy that, yeah. for the entire game. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but they have been uh, giving this thing out since, I believe, 1929. Uh, they they formed the Academy in 1927. And uh, actually, it may have been uh, – no, no, no. I think the initial awards banquet was in 29. Listen to me stumbling through this already. Um, but they got together in 1927 as an Academy, and that's when they started um, kind of having organized talks about how they should do these awards, like getting the plan together. And they met in downtown L.A. They said, I think we should do, you know, X, Y, and Z. And, of course, they said, we got to have a uh, we got to have a statue, a statuette. I don't know what the difference is. Statuette's just smaller, I guess. I think so. Handheld. Yeah. It's sort of a diminutive <laughs> statue. Uh, so, so they said we need a little uh, handheld award. And there was an art director at MGM named Cedric Gibbons who designed a knight. Uh, with a uh, with a reel of film um, and a sword and everything, and then they got a sculptor named George Stanley, and uh, actually actually formed this thing into a into a real a little statuette that you could hold. It was still sort of the uh, the beta version, I guess, but that's where it initially uh, came from. And then the first awards banquet was in May of 1929. Um, 
at the Hollywood Roosevelt, Noel, where you've stayed. I have, yeah. They had the very first Oscar ceremony there. Is that right? Was it mm-hmm. like in – is there a ballroom that I might have missed or would it have been like in the lobby, the yeah, famous here, lobby? The, the, yeah, it was in the lobby. It was at the concierge <laughs> desk. <laughs> it was in the Blossom Room. Um, it was a pretty small affair back yeah. then though. I okay. Think. The Roosevelt's still okay. That I is mean, so cool, though. Yeah. That, it's it's still very much like it doesn't feel like they just gutted it. Like it looks no. very much the same as it ever did. Sure, kind of throwback. Mm-hmm. It's, I like it. Um, and since then, uh, I believe they've made about 3,000 of these statuettes over the years. And uh, it's 13 and a half inches tall, if you're ever curious about that. And it weighs, you know how people always talk about how heavy it is. Mm-hmm. It's eight and a half pounds. Whoa. It's, it's dense. It's got some heft. So now I got to know them about the materials, Chuck. Uh, well, they still have that film reel. First of all, they have uh, five spokes on the wheel, and it signifies it's representative of the original five branches of the academy: acting, directing, producing, uh, writing, and then the technicians. They lumped all into one category, and this is sort of true to its original design. Um, the the base, actually, the big fat base, has varied a little bit over the years, but I think they settled that in 1945. And it has been exactly the same since then. Um, the official name of it is not the Oscar. Of course, that's a nickname. It's the Academy Award of Merit. Um, but everyone calls it Oscar. And this is where it gets a little murky because there are a few competing stories of where Oscar got its name. And uh, one of them is that uh, the Academy librarian, I think this is the most widely distributed story, but there was uh, a librarian at the Academy – um, eventually she became executive director. Her name was Margaret Herrick. And when she saw the trophy for the first time, as the story goes, she said it looks like her uncle Oscar. <laughs> so that's nice. sort of the leading story. But in 1939, they started, you know, they officially adopted that name, the Oscars. And that's pretty much the story, man. They're solid bronze, um, painted, I'm sorry, plated in 24 karat gold. So yeah. it's not uh, solid uh, gold. Oh, sure. But, well, the bronze is probably it's where the, the heft comes from, right? I mean, that's a – Yeah. yeah. Gold is probably heavier than bronze, oh, though, right? Oh, that's true. That's tr- I'm not – I don't I'm know not my a, metal weights. I'm not a metallurgist. I know that uh, Megadeth is the heaviest metal. I, are they, though? <laughs> no. They're one of those bands where their album covers are always much more, like, scary than their music. Well, kind I mean, of sure, like they were uh, not like – Like Iron Maiden. Yeah, they weren't scary metal. Neither was Iron Maiden. Yeah, exactly. They like to evoke those things, but no. they weren't like the shit that They're you like get in They're like opera Norway. metal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, speaking of which, have you seen the trailer for the new – there's a movie called The Lords of Chaos. Oh, about, about the dark metal? It's about the, the black metal bands Yeah, man, I want to see that. Yeah, I don't know. It looks – It looks. Uh, I, I, I have high hopes for it, but it looks a little bit like almost like a teen drama kind of thing. Oh. But with the whole black metal frame story. But with human sacrifice? Hopefully. And church burnings. <laughs> uh, during World War II, Noel, the Oscar was uh, painted plaster for three years. Because, of course, during the war, they needed their medals. Times were tight. To make bombs and tanks and Uh things. Uh, And then after World War II ended, um, they said, hey, if you got one of those shitty plaster Oscars, why don't you come on down here and trade it in? And they would go down to the Academy office and then get arrested because it was all a setup. Jeez. Remember that Simpsons? No. (laughs) That's a common thing that police have done over the years is uh, – get people with warrants out to come to them by having some fake thing. 
Like you won the sweepstakes yeah, or whatever? Yeah, and like they're dumb enough. And Homer did that one time. He thought he won a boat or something. That's so funny. And he went down to the police I just realized that it. Greg Daniels, who like created The Office, American Office mm-hmm. and Parks and Rec, he was a big Simpsons writer. I didn't realize sure, that. Yeah. And I was just rewatching Parks and Rec the other day, and they did that exact same thing to Ron Swanson, serving him with a, like a subpoena or a, oh, really? like a divorce papers or something like, like that. Like it was an award? It, no, it was um, he had won like a year's uh, free gift certificates at like his favorite steakhouse right. or something like that. And he came <laughs> around. And, and they're like, to. you've been served. And he was like, oh, I don't like you, but I respect the effort. <laughs> oh, I love that guy. To, to get him on one day, what a dream. No, seriously. I just had no idea he came because I actually heard Conan talking about him on his his podcast, which is great. Yeah. Talking about how they like, kind of came up together as writers on Saturday Night Live. And I did not realize he went back that far. Conan just snaps his fingers and he can get a guess and all. He doesn't have to struggle with I know, the rest of us. I know. All right. We're going to go into social studies. We're going to segue right into – a uh, very kind of straight-ahead Oscar question. Um, what's your pick for best picture? And give us one sentence why. And, well, right away people are naming things that aren't even nominated for best picture. Well, you didn't specify that it had to be nominated. Oh, no. Be on my side. Uh, okay. Chuck, <laughs> who are these fools? <laughs> Cast them asunder. <laughs> Uh, are you going to go with them? Are you, are you... I don't know. I'm only going to do the ones that are nominated okay. because there's a follow-up question in another episode okay. that where this is addressed. So by the rules, everyone. Uh, Jennifer Collier Pelton says, Bohemian Rhapsody. I truly enjoyed it. And when it was over, I wanted to see it again. That's all you got to say. I saw it for the third time the other night. Did you really? I have not seen it for the first time yet. I loved it. Emily gonna, and I watched I'm it I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I really want to. Uh, Mary O'Donnell says, the favorite in all one of yours. Uh, it was beautifully shot, flawlessly acted. And compelling political intrigue and almost entirely about women for once. Yeah, and women are like badasses in it. Although the only, I guess, not problematic aspect, but is it's like it's two women beefing really hard against each other. Sure. It's like, why can't you be friends and take over the world? But it's also for the favor of another woman rather than like, you know, and the men are these kind of ancillary idiot players in the story, which is kind of pretty cool. So don't tell me anymore, Noel. I might go see that today. I think you should. It's fantastic. Is, this, uh, is today your, like, day movie day? I think so. That's awesome. Yeah, I looked at – because I was supposed to be in New York right now, so I cleared my schedule. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand-new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, And to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Daryl Murphy says, Roma, not just deeply uh, and profoundly moving, but also glorious cinematography. Could not agree more, my friend. Uh, John Hoskins says, Black Panther, because it was the only one he saw. <laughs> That's yeah. You got to appreciate the honesty there. I like it. Uh, the Gooch, David Gooch, says I haven't seen all of them yet, but Black Klansman was the best directed and most powerful movie I saw this year. Uh, uh, Kristen Egan says uh, second Black Klansman, powerful, sure, but also wildly entertaining. Yeah, yeah. it's funny. It's I mean, and, and it like it's just a, a fun good, good movie. It does a good job of like balancing those elements. Yeah, you know? totally agree. Even when it gets heavy, it doesn't get heavy handed. It gets it just kind of like really dials it in and like really hits it. It's home. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Dylan Orr says the favorite was his favorite. Uh, Karen Schlump Hughes says Bohemian Rhapsody for its repeat watchability. I love it more each time I see it. Karen, I was just talking about that. Uh, Greta Koenig says the favorite. So quirky and those ladies. Uh, the death of Stalin. I saw it. Yeah. What'd you think? Dude, it's great. It's fantastic, right? Oh, man. Just so great. And it's that's so, another one. That, so funny. It, but it also gets kind of heavy for a, like here and there. Yeah. You know? Man, just such a great idea to like tell this truly true historical story mm-hmm. uh, and just cast Brits and Americans yeah. and just do your accent. Yeah. You had to kind of wrap your head around that. Oh, I know. But like who didn't want to see Steve Buscemi as Khrushchev? Yeah, no, it's perfect. Oh, God, I loved it. And it's Loved like it. it's a foil that you don't even have to like lean into that hard. It's just you know what I mean. Yeah. And everything else was so pitch perfect, like pitch in terms perfect. of historical accuracy oh, and like man. the sets just and the costumes. Great. And then it's like someone might see it and be like, they really screwed that one up. You no, know, like no, no, like no, that no, acting no. was horrible. But no, it's totally it. it's it's perfect. The uh, the makers of that, I think, they're the people that did Veep. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in Inucci is his name. Yeah, I want him to just keep doing these movies. Yeah, just keep doing historical. Um, comedies and exactly in this style. I want like five more. It's certainly a thing you could recreate. Oh, you yeah. Know? You could just pick any like, you know, you do Ridiculous History. Just yeah. pick any cool uh-huh. historical thing. That's absolutely true. God, I would love it. Uh, so anyway, Mike Dickinson says The Deaths of Stalin. Uh, I don't think that's nominated for Best Picture though, is it? I didn't see it. Was it not? I think it was nominated a handful of times. Okay, well. But it was in smaller categories, if anything. You snuck through, Mike. I'm, I'm going to start reading even if they're not nominated. Because Mike Doyle says, if Beale Street could talk. Uh, I have not seen that yet. I've heard it's really, really great, though. want to see it. And that's the Moonlight director, I believe. Yeah, right? man. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, 
Amena Stimler says Black Klansman again. Spike Lee, because seriously, it's about time. Uh, Karen Drombowski says A Star is Born. As a former aspiring musician, it made me cry the drive home, and I generally uh, have a cold, dead heart. <laughs> I just watched the music video for one of those big songs that Bradley Cooper does with Lady Gaga. It's you called good? Shallow. It's fantastic. And the video yeah. is all clips from the movie. He just hopped up on stage with her in Vegas. Uh, I saw that. Yeah, yeah I, I saw that. that. Um, he, but, he sings all right. Well, he's great in the song. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they, you know, auto-tuned him or something, but he sounds fantastic. Well, everyone's auto-tuned That's these true. days. That's true. I, I got Except confirmation Adele. on that. Except from... Adele. Never <laughs> Adele, Chuck. Never Adele, meaning always Adele. Never Adele moment. She's great. Zach Pointer, our old friend, says Black Panther, because uh, the voice it gives to many. Um, J.J. Verbino, another nod for If Beale Street Could Talk, which was not nominated, but Ashley Reynolds loved that movie as well. You think they'll do that thing where they give it to Spike just because of that about time logic? Sometimes people Some, doesn't get feel like, like that uh, a career Oscar sort of. Right. Like, hey, you you know, done this for so long and probably been ignored unfairly. Um, but I think it would be deserved for Black Klansman at, at this point in his career to still bring the heat like he did in that movie. All for it. Ian Lyons says Green Book. It's a near-perfect film that tackles still so sadly irrelevant issues in an extremely entertaining and thoughtful manner. With Vigo, right? Yeah, I want to see that. I haven't seen that either. Uh, Vasi Papadopoulos says Roma, perfectly shot and moving. And a couple more for The Favorite. Tina Wright and Caleb Wyant both love The Favorite. I got to go see it today, Noel. It's a, it's a very – it's its own thing. Uh, it, I mean, it, the closest thing I can compare it to is like a Kubrick kind of Barry Lyndon thing, but much more absurd. Yeah. But not over the top. I, and it's really hard to describe because it is is very very bizarre and psychedelic, but it's also a very formally like on the no, perfect kind of historical yeah period piece. Like it's 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 very you just got to see it to kind of so we can talk about it. I can't wait. No more, Noel. That's it. Karen Knox, uh, one final vote for Black Panther. Because it would blow most people's minds. If it won the award, it would blow people's minds? Oh, I think that's probably what she meant. Mm-hmm. That would definitely blow some minds. I think it would, too. I'm all about mind-blowing. Uh, and finally, everyone, we are going to finish up with comment card Oscar Adish. I asked specifically for uh, for Oscar-related questions for me and Mr. Noel over there. All right, we're going to start with our old friend Vanessa Lopez. Are there any – this is a great question. Are there any categories you feel deserve more attention or a category you feel should be created? She said, I think uh, casting directors should get an award. That's a good point. Noel, let's think about this. Now, I have a question for you. You're always doing these kind of behind-the-curtain Hollywood reveals. Surely the casting director interfaces with the director – Mm-hmm. Like the director could, you know, is going to be like, I, it's got to be this person, or especially if it's like a writer director. Oh yeah, the the casting director is is fielding, is thinning the herd, and finding people to present to the director to choose, um, or whoever's doing the choosing. If you know, generally director, but sometimes if it's uh, a big studio and a huge producer, they might have more say even than a. Low-level director. And also we're talking about like so, so so often a smaller role that might not be on the director's radar. Yeah. The casting makes a huge – obviously is everything, you know, and that Yeah, can because really... sometimes you go into it knowing like I wrote this movie for That's whoever right. yeah, or yeah, like yeah. I know who my leads are. But we got to fill this picture out. And uh, casting directing is a is a very much a, an art form to be able to sit through all – and it's tough in that room 
to be able to see that magic, you know? Yeah, but it is. Why is that not a category? I don't know, man. Best casting. Yeah. And it could be. Yeah, that's not a bad category. No, it really isn't because there are so many other categories. Like aren't there's best. Like, What what are some of the job type Oscars, you know, that are associated with like there's sound designer, obviously. And like, sure. You know, sound editing and things like that. An editor. So sound it's all, designer. It's almost like they're limiting it more to the people that actually put their hands directly on the product, which I would argue that's still something a casting director is doing. Yeah, and some of these awards are group awards, like Best Cinematography, um, while the director of photography is calling the shots. Um, there is a large team of grips and electrics who are making that shot look the way it looks. So, uh, And that's why you will see, in fact, cinematographers are, are I think, more commonly noted than a lot of uh, winners uh, for mm-hmm. thanking their crew and their oh, camera assistants true. and that's the grips right. and electrics. Right. And, so I don't know. I, I think I agree with Vanessa. Best casting in a film. That would be great. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from The Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. 
But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. All right, we'll move right on to Ian Lyons because this is kind of similar. He says, do you think stunt people should have their own category? Um, do they get a technical Oscar? I don't know if it's – Because that's if, a whole other thing. It would be a whole other thing. But that's no, a, you know the technical Oscars, the ones they host the day before. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't know anything about yeah, this. Yeah, they always get up at some point during the Oscars and say, you know, they have their technical achievements awards, which is a whole other list that doesn't get like – they have their own ceremony on a different day. Interesting. And they um, – uh, it's just a much smaller affair. Huh. But a lot of like smaller tech tech awards go out there. Gotcha. Yeah, there's all kinds of ways to win an Oscar. Well, then surely stunt coordination and things like that would be part of part of that, I would think. I bet you it is. Like uh, the inventor of the Steadicam won an Oscar like for inventing the Steadicam. Like you can get awards uh, in many, many different ways. But if it's not, I bet it is. But if it's not, then stunt stunt work should totally be recognized. You know, it's funny. There's an article on IndieWire called Seven New Oscar Categories the Academy Needs to Create. Oh, interesting. And one of them is uh, suggested is stunt coordinator. What else? Uh, first time film. Hmm. These are just ideas. Breakthrough performer. Eh. Which is a little bit of a loaded thing. Um, best voice performance. That Yeah. Oh, like uh, for animated films? Yeah, for animated stuff. That, that's uh, basically best acting done in your warm-up pants. That's very true. Um, let's see. Best original soundtrack. Okay. These are not that great. Point being is this is a question people Best soundtrack's are not bad. But it's not bad because I guess they only get best song, which is maybe just like a historical carryover thing. But best soundtrack is – I don't know, man. It's kind of like giving an award for putting together a mixtape. But that's – you know, but what about like the Wes Anderson <laughs> uh, soundtracks that no, are so I mean, well curated and the Tarantino stuff? No, you're right. But do you get an award for that, for putting – for basically compiling someone else's work, I you know mean, what I'm saying? Though, but it's all about like a little hanky. suiting the the style and you know having it match up, and I it's an hinky. aesthetic choice. I like hinky. Hinky's a thing that like detectives say when things don't smell quite right. They say things are a little hinky. <laughs> it's true. Uh, Caroline Gaston says uh, asks this. Jack O'Brien, our our colleague over at Daily Zeitgeist, often insists that Oscars should be given out. Five years later, so they can accurately award movies that have, have more of a cultural impact. That's not a bad idea. Yeah, but the, logis- you're not the, the logistics of that sound. <laughs> you're not going to do that. Jack is, is, you know, talking crazy talk. No, it's true. But I mean. But I see well, his point. We've, but but, but we, are, we already know that the Oscars aren't necessarily based on which movies have, have cultural the most cultural impact. Yeah. And they've been coming less and less that over time. It's much more of a popularity contest and the whole True. who does the best, you know, um, for your consideration campaign sure. and all that. Agreed, agreed. Uh, and she says maybe have Jack on as a guest. I am definitely going to have Jack uh, when I go to L.A. next time. Oh, cool. He's already picked out Pulp Fiction. He's earmarked that and I told him I would save it for him. Matthew Gilbert asks, should The Departed have won an Oscar? I reckon so, of course. I remain baffled as to why Scorsese's other works didn't win him Oscars by this stage. I think maybe for the reason uh, we just said. 
Eh? I don't, you know, I mean, because <laughs> there weren't there like, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio was in it. Jack Nicholson was in it. It was just like a big, and it also could have been one of those like, it's about time things. Yeah, yeah, like, for like sure. the whole, you know, maybe, maybe Spike Lee will get it this year. Maybe so. Oh, this is a good question. Fred Nurk says, if you could go to the Oscars, but only as a seat filler, would you do it? Oh, hell yes, I would. Yeah. That would be fun as shit. It's a big time commitment, though. Ah, yeah. well, getting all dolled up, going and sitting around with different people. Just scooting around? You never know. Do you think, they, you think they'd move you? Do you think you'd, you'd, like, you'd be like asked they, to... they do that. Yeah. Yeah, they move you around and fill seats. My first experience with anything like that was our iHeartRadio podcast awards that just happened that you you, you, you gave a miss to. You <laughs> sure, were I couldn't be there. elsewhere. But it was, it was a much smaller affair, but it was very much that same vibe where it was like very selective as to who sat where and who was used to fill what <laughs> space. You sat at Jerry's table? Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson. Yeah. She told me that. I was so mad. They gave him my seat. Oh, God. Did they really? Wow. Well, is nice is that a story? Yeah, it's a story. Yeah. <laughs> Did you get kicked out of your fucking seat? I never had a seat in the first place, Chuck. Oh, no. I was relegated to a, uh, a back room. No, I ended up uh, in the balcony. It was fun. We had a good time. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to hear more about the story. Yeah, I'll tell you. Uh, Ian Lyons, by the way, um, one of our question askers, actually was an Oscar seat filler. He says he's done it twice, and it was a lot of fun. So Ian knows, everybody. I bet it's fun. I wonder, I mean, I'm sure you have specific instructions to, like, not bother the people that much. Oh, yeah. You can't, like, sit down next to Clooney and be like, hey, dude, what's up? Clunes. Clunes. My dude. No. I bet Clunes is cool to the seat fillers, though. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, you let them talk. It's sort of like a probably you let them talk to you. <laughs> yeah. Kind of thing. Absolutely. And even then, don't, don't push it. All right. Let's finish up with... Uh, One more. All right, we'll finish up with Catherine Blair. If there was one thing you could change about the way the Oscars are uh, run and organized, what would it be? Well, they should shorten it up a bit. Uh, And they have actually, because the one thing I was going to say is just get rid of the the fluff and Mm. the nonsense, too many dumb bits. And um, they've been doing that more and more. They have streamlined it a bit. Yeah. Over the recent years. I I got tricked. I thought that uh, it was true that um, Nick Kroll and John Mulaney were going to host the Oscars as uh, the Oh Hello guys. because the what guys? You know, the dudes from Too Much Tuna or whatever. They oh, that, right. Oh right. Hello Broadway show or whatever. Mm-hmm. Where they're like these two kind of grizzled uh, New York Upper West Side, like weird, weird dudes. Boy, Life, they're so lifer, good together. Lifer roommates. It's yeah. great. I saw the show on Broadway. It was fantastic. Now it's on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it. It's, I have not. It's but really, I did see them host... Uh, I think the Independent Spirit Awards. Yeah, a years ago. well, there you go. So they've they've got experience. So I kind of assumed that it was true, um, and I guess they were just trolling and joking about it because I, apparently they haven't picked a new host yet because Kevin Hart kind of was problematic or made some tweet that was offensive, and then he he got he, like a homophobic tweet of some kind. And he yeah, got, he got kicked off. He got kicked off, and then uh, there then there were calls for people to put him back on, mm-hmm. like Ellen DeGeneres. Even I think is that um, right. Yeah, so they have no host right now. I don't know what the deal is. They, I think they might go hostless and just have a series of people coming up and running the bits. Well, that's sort of what I was getting to is how important do you think the host is? Does that uh, make a difference for how much you enjoy? Isn't the host almost like it's total filler? You're just there to see who wins the awards. Like who cares? Yeah, right? and the main role of the host is sort of that beginning bit. And then the rest of the show they do like a couple of various comedy bits, but it's mainly just to say who's coming up next. Um and admittedly, back in the day when Billy Crystal was doing his thing and had a nice run of uh, hosting 
like kind of pretty pretty creative intro bits. Those were those were good, but I don't know, man. Like I've, I've complained last week about sort of the the shine being lost for the Oscars. The older I get, just just give them out. Give them out. Do it, do it, do it, it all right. off the air. Do it, do it, do it all on the red carpet. <laughs> Let's just have a red carpet and no award. I bet you the people that go would probably love that. Let's just do it over email. That way no one has to see anyone. Everyone I hear talking about going to the Oscars, as much as they say it's like, oh, it's so glamorous and fabulous. It's also like you're there for five hours and it's a total chore. When you don't, <laughs> you can't drink. It's not like the Golden Globes. Yeah. You get all liquored up at the Golden Globes. Is that right? Yeah, they have booze at the table. I didn't know that. Yeah, at the Oscars, you can't like, I think you can run quickly to the bar in between commercial breaks. But uh, yeah, they can't expect people, Hollywood elites to sit there for six hours and not drink. And yet they do. Who was it? Uh, Sarah Silverman had her little weed pen in her purse. Oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah, on her on the red carpet a couple of years ago. It may have been last year. They were like, "What are you wearing? What's the you know all that stupid shit?" And she said, "Oh, this is my dress." Blah blah blah. And she said, "What about your accessories?" And she went, "Well," and she opened her purse. She went, "I have my weed pen in my purse." <laughs> and this is before it was legalized in California oh, too. Funny. Yeah, I was like, "Good for you, Sarah Silverman." She ain't scared. All right, Noel. I think that's all we have for this week. It seems reasonable. Are you good? We're at a solid 31.45, my friend. All right. Well, let's do it then. I don't want to reach 32 mm-hmm. minutes. So, goodbye. Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. Well, how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at First Listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.